I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, the rock station. And today, we're going to be talking about Oxenfree, which was a game that was developed by Night School Studios, published by them, and was released in 2016 on Windows, OS X, Xbox One, PS4, Linux, iOS, and then was released in 2017 on Android and the Switch. Uh, But first, if you could give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Oxenfree is, and I feel like what we have to talk about here is how we're going <laughs> to, going forward, this is a this is a conversation for all people on planet Earth, uh-huh. and I'm glad we put it on this very popular episode that we're going to do about a game that's, that's five years old. Uh, <laughs> uh, how do we define what an adventure game is? Because it seems like a massive catch-all, because that's what this game is. Yeah, I, I feel like I've brought this up just, like, offhand as a joke before, uh, that adventure game is used to describe, like, 30% of all games ever made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, this definitely feels like one of those more modern, like, takes on the point-and-click genre, where it's like, you don't really do so much pointing and clicking so much as you, like, kind of walk around and interact with stuff. Yeah, there needs to be at least a subdivide between a point-and-click adventure game and a walk-and-talk adventure game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is on the walk-and-talk side of it. This game doesn't involve much of what you would refer to as puzzles. It has puzzles or other, like, gameplay elements similar to the puzzles, Mm -hmm. uh, but is predominantly a game about conversations. Uh, and is sort of the main technology that this game bases itself on. Yeah, uh, while perusing the Wikipedia page, I found that this uh, studio, Night School Studio, mm-hmm. was founded by a guy from Telltale and some good people who used to work at Disney. Okay. So, And uh, I think that kind of gives you an idea of what this game is like, because um, it, it, it does have, uh, like, narrative like uh someone will like ask you a question and then you have like three uh potential answers for that question but you have a limited amount of time to pick your uh which one you want to go with which is a very like telltale like that's exactly how it works in those games yeah uh but then you also have these like really nice painted backgrounds like feel like they take inspiration from like older disney animated films yeah, this feels like the J.J. Abrams of adventure games in as much as J.J. Abrams in the modern era feels like the modern equivalent of a Steven Spielberg. Uh, not that all of J.J. Abrams' movies are going to be as widely held up <laughs> as uh, <laughs> as Spielberg's, but he has this, like, Super 8 is specifically what I'm thinking about. It's like a coming-of-age story, but the people have kind of already come of age, but it's like going through a major point in their life, and then there's a supernatural element that actually plays as more of a backdrop than it does as part of the forefront. Yeah, it does kind of have an 80s movie feel to it, Mm -hmm. uh, as you just described. Um, In dumber words. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, You just got a little bit more specific, you know? (laughs) Yeah. and also, I am smarter than you. Yes, also that. <laughs> um, but I guess where do we want to kind of start to dig in here? I mean, 
you're the one with the with a torn out page of notes in front of you, and I am not. If I were just if I were doing an elevator pitch for this game, mm-hmm. that's not at all the right thing to do. If I were trying to recommend this game to somebody, I feel like the thing I would start with is like how you actually play the game and in this particular instance i think that the thing that warrants the discussion is definitely the way that they set up the conversation system Mm -hmm. it's the most interesting thing as far as like gameplay mechanics go yeah um but yeah the the way that the game works is you will be in conversations other characters around you mostly initiate and then you have this limited time to respond, but during that time, it isn't like a call-in response. It is a they are talking, and you can choose to interject or not uh, in your time limit, and sometimes it's expected that you will interject, or they're asking a question directly of the player character, uh, and like not responding is weird, and it registers as weird, and it builds into this admittedly kind of shallow relationship system that the game has oh yeah and it's also like not clear like i I, if there's a way to check on the status of them in the menu i never found it oh yeah like i mentioned before i didn't even know that it kept track of the stuff you found so i certainly don't it does have some things on the map but um you'll say you'll respond to certain prompts or questions and a little, like, picture of a character's head will pop up in, like, a thought bubble above other characters. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really, like, give any indication if that's, like, a good or a bad <laughs> thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, I guess you could call it kind of, like, a hidden mechanic or, you know, like, a, a more, like, hidden from the player, like, under the hood kind of mechanic. Yeah, it's not hidden so much in the way that it like doesn't tell you that it's happening. It's just hidden in what it affects and, yeah. and how you can change it. Um, predominantly, the relationship system it mostly is just for what ending you get. There, I, there are, I guess, some conversations that probably change mm-hmm. uh, depending on your standing with different members of the party. But, um, And I say all of these things knowing that we just released an episode on Xenoblade. Uh, and I need to make it very clear that the people around you are not not only not combatants, uh, but most of them aren't even really your friends. Uh, the only character in this game who is friends with Alex, the main character, is Ren. And everyone else is either brand new to you in the form of Jonas, or you don't really know them, which is not Nana, Nona. Nona, yeah. and Or hates you. Right. <laughs> so it's really like the like the relationship thing makes you feel like you're trying to make inroads with people or like make your stance clear, I think is more what it, it, it accomplishes. Yeah, like the relationship dynamic is really weird. Because um, like, this is one thing that stood out to me is uh, Alex's brother dies in the mm. narrative like bef- like a year before this game takes place. And Clarissa, one of the other people that's there, who's the one that hates you, yes, uh, used to date him. His name is Michael, if I didn't say that already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's one of their ways of like kind of trying to show like there was fallout from that. Um, but like it really, it the game the way it feels in the game is like his death happened like five years ago and not one. Yeah, like it feels like it isn't given the appropriate amount of weight in the writing. 
for like how recent it is. Yeah, like I feel like most people would still like not have fully like processed that, especially like a, that young. Sure, having a sibling die. I feel like the the assumption and like. I've not been in the situation, so I can't make, like, a a stand on exactly how I would react to it, is that when it's happened a year ago, you sort of want to put yourself in a, socially, in a way that doesn't seem like you've spent the every waking moment of your life mourning a loss. Right. Uh, And I think that's true. Like, if you've ever been to a funeral before... Uh, which, like, I guess I envy you if you have not. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you've been to a funeral, there's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of people talking and having a good time and smiling uh, because th- it is impossible from a human perspective to just maintain grief for a huge period of time. Yeah. So I think that I agree that it isn't given the weight that it necessarily might have had, but I don't think that Alex's personality is weird because of it. No, I'm not trying to say that. It's just... I feel like in this kind of a story, it makes, like, so much sense that either Alex or uh, Clarissa would have, like, a breakdown moment Mm -hmm. where they, like, open up to another character about it in a way they haven't or they've been, like, bottling up. And you don't really get that moment unless it happens in one of the other, like, endings I didn't get. Yeah. I'm trying to think if... I definitely didn't have, like, a breakdown moment. There was a... Uh, me explaining the whole scenario to Jonas, but right. that's about as far as it goes. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else they would. Uh, I, I don't know who else Alex would have that conversation with because Ren's the only person she's close with. Yeah, and you have to presume that they've already had that moment. That's true. Off of the back of that, like I feel like. You're definitely like getting at something. Like when you when you brought this up initially, I kind of wanted to push back on you a little. But like, the characterization of like Alex's relationships with everybody is weird. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a lot of the and I don't know if this is like a like a voice direction thing or what. But a lot of her responses to things sound sarcastic, yeah. for like no real good reason. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. I think that that is supposed to be her personality. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like, like you get in all adventure games of this uh, kind where you're picking dialogue options. Like, you get that feeling of, like, that's not how I thought Mm -hmm. uh, that response was going to be. And I found myself saying that with, like, almost every single one of them in this game where I'm like, she was a lot snarkier than I expected. (laughs) Yeah, there were a couple of instances where I definitely felt like she took a harsher tact than I think I had intended. Yeah. But... I didn't get used to it for some reason. I don't know why. I, I think this this might be me making excuses for the game developer. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind, I guess. But the way that I saw it was I felt like the, the more wishy-washy responses are the ones that tended to get an unexpected response or like be unexpected the way that she delivered them. And when I took a harder line on what I was saying, like either a hard yes or a hard no to most questions, it came out more the way that I had expected. Mm. That could be the nature. Maybe is an ambiguous word. And so choosing the maybe response probably (laughs) produces a more ambiguous result. Uh, by by nature, but also, 
I don't know. I found it was more satisfying for me to really push the extremes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's kind of how I am in all of these games. Yeah, it's really stood out with Jonas in particular because you spend a lot of time with him Mm -hmm. in this, or at least I guess you can. Um, But, um, yeah, I was trying to be really nice to him because I feel like if you are him in uh, in this narrative it's a really awkward position to be in. Like you're kind of tagging along and no one knows you. Um, and you're like the new stepbrother and you know, there's baggage there and like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I tried to be super nice to him or like try to like break the ice with him. And there were so many times where like, I thought this like, Oh, she's going to, this is going to be like a lighthearted jokey response. And then she was just kind of sarcastic. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's not what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had those as well. I didn't write down like any of the. No, I don't have dialogue. any good examples either. But, but yeah, it definitely does come up where you'll end up trying to say something, and it will come out exasperated in a way that you're like, "That's, I don't know." I think it it got it became more clear to me near the end of the game that the really minute stuff really didn't matter. Like they often wouldn't make any change to your relationship at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So it didn't bother me as much near the end. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it's not like a huge criticism or anything. It's just something that really stood out to me. Yeah. I even given all of that, like I still ended up in the ending where you, the close with Jonas ending, which is a, a thing. So yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but another thing about the, the dialogue system is that sometimes when you pick an answer, it cuts off the other character's dialogue. I would go so far as to say it always does this. It's not always. (laughs) I feel like it happened more early on and then later, like, I, it seemed like maybe they gave it priority in more, like, narratively important moments, but, Mm -hmm. like, it was definitely a lot where you, your response will cut off the other character's dialogue and I don't really understand why. Like, if I don't know, like it almost feels like it's a mistake or like a like a bug of the system, but it feels like it can't be. Right. So the first time that I ever heard about this game, uh, we're gonna do a little bit of history here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I cannot remember where I heard about this the first time because this isn't something that I would have seen on like fucking G four when I was twelve. <laughs> but I remember someone talking about it in the way, and the way that they describe it is. The game's conversation system is set up such that when you are given an option to interject, you can say something while they're in the middle of their sentence. Say your thing, have an aside where everyone talks to you about the thing that you said, and Mm -hmm. then they will go anyway, and then pick back up the conversation in a naturalistic way. It was like one of the things that the game was sold on. Mm. Um, And I had this happen to me like two times. Ever. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like it didn't work that way because <laughs> most of the time but... it was like the conversation. Like it, they would be asking you to either respond way earlier than anyone normally would in a conversation, mm-hmm. or miss your opportunity to respond entirely. Yeah, it was always me w- trying to wait until the last possible second to hit the button, and then sometimes fucking it up. Yeah, I mean. I guess if they're trying to emulate realistic conversation, like as somebody who is a co-host on a podcast, people do talk over each other a lot. It's true. In real life. So I guess 
if that's what they were going for. Yeah, but I feel like we've succeeded. gotten better at it. Over, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, no, but um, <laughs> it's just an inevitable, inevitable part of human conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it just. I guess if that's what they're going for, like, mission accomplished, but, like, it, it just feels kind of weird. It feels extremely weird at times. Uh, like like I said, like, waiting until the last second to hit the button, like, yeah. it gave it this, like, almost rhythm game feel. Yeah, anytime I tried to do that, I missed, mm-hmm. uh, so I just gave up on doing that pretty early. Yeah, uh, did you, first of all, did you turn subtitles on? I don't remember. I don't I, think I did. I turned subtitles on after three sentences were spoken. Uh, I said, nope, because I'm going to miss dialogue if I continue this in this way. And that helps a lot because you can read ahead of what they're saying. Right. Choose the thing that you want to say to respond to it, knowing the full context of the sentence. And I mean, that's the conscionable human person thing to do uh-huh. but like it's way overthinking it for this game <laughs> yeah the, ga- the game doesn't certainly doesn't want you to do that yeah like it's very much like that telltale style um where i i kind of i do like that it puts like pressure on you to like make timely answers mm-hmm. or like the the uh the moment passes you by uh, once again, kind of feeling a little bit like real life, but uh, like because I find that really really effective on me. Like I get a little like antsy, and I'm like, uh, I gotta like say the the right thing, and then I'll say something I I, oh, I didn't fully comprehend that other one before I clicked this one. Ah, yeah, you know those kind of moments, and I think those are are fun to have. Yeah, I think that the only issue that I take with it, and this is not really an issue with Oxenfree as much as it is just with adventure games as they exist today is that it i feel like it throws up an accessibility barrier to some extent where it's like if you aren't quick at reading mm-hmm. the time limit can make it really difficult for you to make sense of the things like what you want in a game like this is like that role-playing experience where you either put yourself in the character's shoes and try and do what you think alex would do or try and fully insert yourself into the scenario and say like if i was alex what would i do um and i don't think that's possible when you're doing random answers half the time yeah i i I wouldn't say that i had that experience uh Mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe that it's better than i think it is but yeah yeah because I like the idea of doing it more naturalistically, and it's like the game never just stops for you to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it, it could have had a more lax time limit yeah. for sure. Yeah, because I, I feel like it does want to have like a little bit more relaxed uh, hangout with your friends gone wrong kind <laughs> of uh, feeling. And I don't know. Yeah, it feels a little bit more gamey when you put the time limit on it. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I feel like they might have been uh, leaning into by having, like, the dialogue get cut off and having so many dialogue options for you to pick from is th- this game clearly has multiple endings. We've mm-hmm. already made some references to that. So I feel like that decision could have been made, like, with that in mind, like, that you'll re like I think to the developers ideally the player will play it a second time mm-hmm. and try to like get the true ending or the secret ending or find out more about the mysteries on the island because I don't know if you even can 
get the secret ending on the first playthrough, but... That is a good point. I don't know. It's It seems very unlikely to happen if it is possible. It seems unlikely that anyone playing the game blind would just, like, happen upon it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're that kind of person that just meticulously combs through every game. So, potentially me, depending on the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I I have thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. I think pretty pretty clearly. Um, multiple endings are a thing that I have very like. I don't not strong. Strong isn't the word. I I have conflicted opinions on because I like multiple endings in a game that I feel like I would play multiple times. And what is a game that I would play multiple times? I'm not really sure. Like, Dark Souls, yes, we know that. Anything else, like, it's a coin flip. And I I don't know what it is that changes that, but I said a similar thing on Simulacrum, where I didn't feel like I wanted to play it again. And if I do play one of these games again, and I have in the past, I've played Life is Strange through twice, um... I don't want to shoot for other endings. I want to just play the game again, and so I wait, like, a long time, and then I try and relive that first experience. Yeah, you want to, like, make the decisions that are, like, true to the ones that you would make. Yeah. So it just doesn't, like... This... Like, I'm fine with it, and especially the secret ending, because it's something that you have to, like, go above and beyond. It's a different play experience to Mm -hmm. get to it. But, like just like having multiple versions of the not true ending it doesn't feel like something i would ever experience yeah i agree pretty hard with all of that (laughs) um it's it's tricky because like i feel like in order to be the kind of game that benefits from multiple endings like the the mechanics have to prop it up Mm -hmm. i think the idea of like playing through this again from a mechanic standpoint doesn't sound that much fun um, like the radio mechanic gets a little tedious after a while and like redoing all the same conversations <laughs> yeah. uh, wouldn't be particularly fun um, outside of like a few instances to see what happens. But um, yeah, it's just like, cause like narratively I did, I was intrigued by this and I felt like there was more and I did want to dig a bit, mm-hmm. but yeah, then the idea of like playing it again, I was like, mm, maybe if I have time, <laughs> You know, like, I'm just not enthusiastic about jumping back in. Yeah. And uh, and that's not just a specific criticism of this. I feel that way about a lot of games where I'm like, uh, maybe one day <laughs> I'll play it again. But then, yeah, like you were saying, it'll be so much time. I'll probably just do a regular playthrough again and won't make the effort to get the secret ending or whatever. Yeah. I, I feel like the secret ingredient is time. I think that's a line from a movie, but uh-huh. it isn't oh, what I meant. Oh, something like um, 999, like that is like mm. chapter skips, yeah. at least in the Steam version. That's actually a good point. I didn't think of that. But like this falls in a really awkward place, because I feel like if I'm going to replay a game, it's either going to be a game that's really long, and so when you finish the game and then you start it again, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't, just like point one i wouldn't i will never end a game and then start the same game over in the same sitting under the majority of circumstances Mm -hmm. if it has like a chapter select i might go back to a chapter or something but uh 
or so either really long so that when you go back and start it again it's like stuff you haven't done for like months or whatever Mm -hmm. or the game is so short like one hour two hours maybe that you could just play through it twice in a single sitting and be like now i did the two things uh fatum Bechula sort of has multiple endings mm-hmm. even though it's kind of the whole goal of the game yeah. mechanically but it's easy to just do the same stuff over and over again uh this is like five hours or something yeah, so around that yeah and it ends up being like i'm not gonna do five hours again for something like that yeah i feel like it's like it's very much an accessibility thing um like even if you just had like a run button Mm -hmm. uh to like move through the environments faster on a second playthrough or like um they could have implemented like after you beat the game like for a second playthrough like a warping mechanic like you tune into the radio station right for a specific spot and it warps you to it or something that is smart and thematically good, and yeah. I like that. Something like that. Like, you could even tie it into, like, um, what's her name? Mrs. Adler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, like, maybe, like, she has, like, these codes written down, like, the secret stations to warp around the island or something. Uh, something like that would have, like, made me, like... Because, like, at the, you get towards the end of the game, and you get your point of no return moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, if there was something like that in the game, I probably would have warped around and found all the little rocks, like, piles of rocks and gotten all of the anomalies. Yeah. You know, like, I probably would have tried to do that if I didn't think, oh, I have to walk around the whole island again. Yeah. Let me, uh, because I do want to talk about the the aliens, the yes. ghosts. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a big point. Uh, before we we finish this podcast i want to talk or i want to ask how you felt about traversing the island um i thought it was mostly fine i played on i hated it sorry (laughs) go ahead (laughs) I i played on pc i don't know what it's like with the controller um but i i thought it was like pretty standard fare is it point and click movement? Like you just click the place you, you can go and do that, or you can do arrow keys. And okay. I found myself doing both. I I mean I don't think it's the controls that bothered me. Uh, there were definitely a couple of times where like, oops, went down the upper path when I meant to go down the lower path. And that's not a big deal. That's like a one second thing. It, it controls actually. If I complained about the controls in Super Brothers. Hmm. then I have the same complaints. And if I didn't complain, then I have no complaints. Because uh, it controls the same way. Uh, but my issue is just how very, extremely slow it all is. Uh, yeah, see, I knew that you would feel that way. Uh-huh. Like, I could just feel it as I was playing. Uh, <laughs> I could feel your energy. I could feel a million voices crying out all at once. Uh-huh. Um, no, but uh, it didn't bother me at all the first playthrough because it's like obviously like oh they let the conversations happen so like I was like whatever that's fine yeah um, but yeah like what as I'm saying like if you've played it before or like you're getting towards the end like you've already like played it for four hours or whatever mm-hmm. you really do feel like you want a run button like it it definitely like graded on me eventually which especially with the way that. The like, like if you're gonna send me back to an area I've already been to, that's when I'm like, uh Yeah. But also like the map is really imprecise because it is supposed to be like a diegetic tourist map. Um 
and I'm happy with that. I think yeah, that's that great. Yeah, that fits, yeah. And uh, this seems like the kind of place where you could get lost easily. And so I'm not even opposed to the getting lost as part of the story mechanic where you go to the wrong area or something because you don't know how it connects up with the other stuff on the map. But when you do it and you get lost and you have to backtrack through an area and you're moving at a snail's pace, it gets kind of irritating, especially because the dialogue seems to only really prompt itself when you're on a path to a place that you're supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just walking in silence. Which is, I guess is a good clue that you've gone the wrong way. Yeah. But it does just require you to walk in silence for a while, realize it, turn around, and then walk in silence all the way back uh, through the loading screens to get to where you actually need to be. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it was just it was just a hair too, too boring for me. I think that if it was just a little bit faster... Uh, I would have probably not even mentioned it. Yeah. The actual, like, animation with the pathing and stuff where you walk and jump and climb over stuff, I thought was really cool. Uh, I thought everybody, everything looked really good. Uh, the art style of this game is a whole thing that we can have a conversation on if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, like, the actual walking around, I thought everything <laughs> looked good, but it felt bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mentioned it up up top, but the the backgrounds are great. Like mm-hmm. the nice painted backgrounds are something I I obviously have a stiffy for. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, uh, <laughs> you, you'll know this. And uh, I I like the character models too. Like I think it's a nice appealing character design, and they fit well with the backgrounds. Yeah, it gives me like I can't even really like place it. Uh, exactly. Like, right now, thinking about them, they just remind me of, like, ten different cartoons Mm -hmm. that this plot line would all fit well in. Like, this is like an Adult Swim cartoon. One of the good ones with a narrative. uh, (laughs) That, like, just is in a game. Mm -hmm. It it works really well. And they're 3D models. Yeah. Which is why. They don't look like it. They blend well. Yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the geometric shapes. Like, um... Kentucky Route Zero is a little bit like this. Um, uh, those models are super simplified. Uh, don't have a lot of detail, but they're all very like blocky shapes, which in silhouette gives them like a two D kind of look. Like they blend with the backgrounds, nice. Yeah. And these characters had a similar thing going on. This game shares a lot in common with Kentucky Route Zero. And I did mention that, and I have been restraining myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but visuals is definitely a big one. Music, the radio. The amount, and this is a weirdly specific thing to call out, but, like, the the level of, like, zoom of the camera, like how big the characters are on the screen. Also very similar. Yeah. The movement is pretty close. There's a lot of comparisons to be made. It's really interesting, actually, because I had always sort of, like, uh, combine these in my head. Yep. yep. And me too. The and like now having played both of them, they are very closely related. I feel like mm-hmm. I think I like Kentucky just like a little bit better, but uh, it's still good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's got this very like uh, X Files kind of style plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Kentucky Route Zero leans a little bit more like David Lynch. 
uh, a little bit more surreal. Yeah. Uh, this one's a little bit more grounded. You, yeah, we compared it to an 80s movie earlier. Like, it does have a little bit of, like, a uh, 80s kids uh, doing stuff kind of, like, military conspiracy stuff going on in the background. I was going to say E.T. I feel like Iron Giant is probably actually yeah, a better that's comparison. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and the overarching plot is is really intriguing and i really like what they did with it um there is a sense of of no control like you can't really your character puts on a brave face and is very like braggadocious about how they're just gonna kick the the ghost's ass and then move on Mm -hmm. uh but there is like every time every encounter that you have like where you bust the radio out and you fucking draw the little triangle in the sky mm-hmm. and you do whatever else it you never know what's going to happen and it feels like everything is getting worse and worse at all times yeah and i, I really appreciated that like alex had a very like a genre savvy like sensibility where it's just like we need to get everybody and leave mm-hmm. was always like the goal I, I really appreciated that detail obviously stuff stops you from doing that but right. uh I, I like that that's like what you like the characters are like trying to do yeah yeah no it's really good um and i like the 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 little bit of uh setup and payoff with the like introductory sequence when you go on and they give the history of the of the island uh because jonas is new so ren's doing his whole tour guide thing and uh they obviously bring up the radio and you can listen in on the little like informational stations around the island that give you backstory um whether these entities are like the dead spirits of the like sunken submarine is kind of up in the air for me yeah i mean i didn't and granted i didn't dig a lot as we've been going over like i didn't go back for a second playthrough but Mm -hmm. um to me, like, I wasn't really given any other kind of evidence that they were anything else. Sure. So I just kind of thought that that is what they were. Well, the evidence, and this is not good evidence because it's a sci-fi game uh-huh. uh, where science fiction happens. But I was like, well, ghosts aren't real. <laughs> so I think that they're aliens i have no (laughs) i'd say the the story leans much more supernatural than it does sci-fi i mean sure aliens could be in both yeah they can uh (laughs) i'm just poking holes in you no it's fair (laughs) no i mean they could totally also be aliens Mm -hmm. i think that they have like assumed or it's like an other otherworldly sort of like maybe they're ghosts of aliens plus there's like a time loop involved yeah we really should have looked up the 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 actual secret ending i did good um i didn't like i just kind of scrubbed through a youtube video of it so Mm -hmm. i can only give you the broad strokes but uh what and what you end up figuring out that you need to do is end up contacting your past self uh-huh. right before you leave to get on the boat and tell them to not get on it with through the radio. Right. Okay. Um, and you do that and you go through the ending and you have to, you do have to make certain uh, choices of like what to say and if there's a couple of key places um, and you end up um, saving Michael and 
so everyone's alive. Apparently, your parents also still got divorced because Jonas is still there and your stepbrother. <laughs> uh, but Michael's alive. Everybody's there. And um, it goes through the whole ending again. And it's like, this, you did this. And 80% of people also did that sort of end screen stats. Right. Uh, and then you get a bonus scene after the credits where it's Alex, Jonas, and Ren at a gas station before they get on the boat, and you can pull out the radio and hear the message from yourself from the future, and they decide not to go, and they, like, get in the car to leave. Right. And so it, like, stops the time loop and saves everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you got to warp to the Ash Twin Project. Yeah, and then uh, you warp to the Ash Twin Project. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so it doesn't actually explain. It might, but I didn't look up those parts. Right. Yeah, that's that's my interpretation. I like the menace of it is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, like, um, you actually brought up Sword and Sorcery, but, like, the weird triangles in the sky feel very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have, like, a similar amount of, yeah, like, uh, eldritch, like, horror and dread, like, the, like... Or, like, the monolith from 2001, A Space yeah. Odyssey. Like, this, like, they're in the sky, and there's just, like, this high pitch, like, like, vibrating. Is it a voice? It kind of sounds like it is, but maybe it isn't uncanniness to it, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just real good. They're a great antagonist because they are so unknowable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the possession of your friends thing. Yeah, that was great. Uh, did you, in that sequence in the house find the stuff that she asked you to find in Uh, a timely manner i found two of the things i think and i missed one or two i found one and then Uh. failed on all of the other (laughs) ones and it's so good when you just fucking lose everything it's great like it's it's it it is just hard enough that it seems like on your first time around you'll be able to figure it out and do it but the time limit is also just stringent enough that you're likely to miss a few yeah and it it really gets you like kind of all in on the let's stop the thing plan yeah because you're like i don't know (laughs) what they did when they fucking abducted everyone yeah yeah it definitely it keeps things cloudy and it it goes back to what you were talking about like this feeling of powerlessness like Mm -hmm. you're not sure like exactly how you can affect things and like what exactly like what it's it's something they do with the dialogue trees that I think is really clever is like, it really does a good job of hiding what the important choices are in a way that I feel like not a lot of these kinds of games do. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, other narrative things that we may or may not have done. Uh, it's pretty obvious at the beginning that Ren has a big crush on Nona, uh, uh, because you can bring it up in your little truth or slap game. Uh, that they play. Yeah. Uh, but then I completely forgot about it. And like, it gets to the end screen and it's like, you prevented Ren and Nona's relationship. And I'm like, I did. Yeah. Like, apparently like there was a lot more that could happen with that, that I somehow just like randomly sidestepped and it just didn't happen in my playthrough. (laughs) Uh, they did get together in mine, but like, I don't know what I did to keep them apart. Cause I was never like, you guys shouldn't see each other. Like, right. I never said anything negative about one to the other. Uh, I think that, at least for me, uh, they were together for the basically the entirety of the whole game. Mm. Uh, I went to get Ren 
first. I did too. Okay. Uh, and ran into Nona on the way, sent her to the tower. Yep. We went to get Clarissa after that, so mm-hmm. they were already together. Right. And then there's a second opportunity where you can walk with Ren to the thing. Right. It When that happened, you can take any of the three with you. Right. And I took Nona with me. Right. Because I was like, I haven't spent any time with her. Yeah. Uh, I took Jonas, and uh, I think because in the back of my head, I was like, oh, yeah, that was like a thing at the beginning. Yeah, of the like I did not even think about it. I was just like, <laughs> I want to spend time with that character because I haven't yet. Yeah, so I don't know shit about Nona. I know that in the end of or near nearer the end of the game, she's like kind of written as kind of a dumb idiot. <laughs> I think she's just shy is her thing. Like, I like. She's there with Clarissa, and I think it's implied that Clarissa started hanging out with her after Michael died because she didn't want to hang out with you anymore or Alex anymore. Right. So she's kind of like a surrogate new friend. Yeah. Almost. To put it, I feel like that's a negative way of framing that, but... I mean, I'd be you, a, I'd you know be a surrogate I mean. new friend, you know. Yeah. Unless but, like, you're an adult, so, you gotta take what you can get. Yeah, so like they don't really <laughs> know each other when you when you talk. Nona is like invite you to her birthday party or whatever uh, okay. that's happening in like two weeks or something well i was not invited to any birthday parties mm. but we did make fun of her for not knowing the history of some <laughs> shit during the middle of the game for some reason yeah uh but yeah i'm sure there's a lot more depth to Ren, Nona, and Clarissa mm-hmm. that I just didn't get because I basically spent yeah. the entirety of the game yeah with so Jonas. if you took Jonas in the middle there then you spend the whole game with him yeah and that's basically what I did. It just seemed like the most socially appropriate thing to do at every step of the way for me. Yeah, I don't really disagree with that. Do we have FM thoughts? Uh, okay, to tune into my FM thoughts. Uh, I like this game. Uh, it lo- when I sat down to make notes for it, it was really easy to write down all of my criticisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those flowed like milk and honey out of the pen. But uh, there is a lot to like about this game. Like I, I felt like we were going to come in here and skew negative, but like I think it comes off that way because this game is good but not great. But it feels like it's just short. Like it's missing a few things, like to really push it uh, or to elevate it to being something special like i think the narrative is really cool the setting is cool like a abandoned uh, military base island is interesting with the one mysterious old woman caretaker who lives there uh it's a it's a really fertile like interesting foundation for a story and the story itself is good it's just the gameplay side i think lets it down a bit um as we say, yeah, walking around the island gets slow uh, if you have to backtrack, which can easily happen to you in this, um, especially if you want to, like, explore and get, extra, like, bonus stuff. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, tuning into the radio, I thought was cool at first, gets tedious, especially when they, like, up the amount of stations you have. Um, they can, like, scrolling back and forth through it. Uh, got a little old after a while. So, yeah, I felt like that stuff, like, brought it down a bit and um and i don't know if it's just that i never found it but like i feel like they should have done something with like hidden number stations just because i find those really fascinating i think they were 
in the game. Yeah, there were a lot of, like, secret, like, radio stations and, like, old ramblings of people and spooky stuff. But, like, I don't, I never just heard someone reading a sequence of numbers. Yeah. The closest that it comes, I'm just going to jump on sure, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I th- thought was actually really interesting, and I'm sure does pan out into a different thing if you follow through with it, but there are stations where people are having, uh, I guess you could call it a conversation, It'll just be, like, individual sections of it where people are going. Yeah, just, like, stitch it together. Yeah, and but they'll say a sentence. It'll be, like, in the end, we all become... And then they will do the military alphabet to spell out a word. Mm -hmm. And that one was, in the end, we all become antiques. And I remember hearing that and going, like, that's fucking interesting. Jot that down. Uh, and then I came across a couple other ones, but I never really put anything together from it. Yeah. Uh, but it could be the best way to do it. Yeah, like I feel like there's something cool there that I, I feel like could have been fleshed out uh, or done in a different way that made it feel a little bit more accessible or obvious. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I feel like presentation, story-wise, this game is great. Mechanically, it's a little lackluster and Mm. so you end up with a product that is good and in some ways i do want to spend some more time with it uh and in other ways i don't so like it does sit in a really weird middle ground which is a little unfortunate um but i guess those are my final thoughts yeah to piggyback off of just that last part where you were talking about uh, or where th- that part where I jumped in and said and was talking about the number station stuff, I think that largely the purview of this podcast is to talk about the for our first time through games. Uh, that tends to be the case. Very rarely we will do a game that one of us has like an abundance of experience with. Um, but this that isn't the case here. Um, I think that this game has a lot of potential to be very cool. But for most people who play it, isn't going to realize that potential. Uh, And not just most, probably like 99%. Like, I know that most games that people start, they don't finish. And on top of that, the people, like, even after you finish the game once, there's still a lot left on the table. Um, This feels like a game that is an adventure game that is. story that wants to be told and a moment to moment character drama right and i think that the game has a backdrop of a game that's way more open than that and they clash a lot yeah so do i recommend this game i think depending on who you are like yes i think that the game is good i enjoyed playing it (laughs) Uh, I certainly don't regret playing it, and there were a lot of good moments. The dialogue is really well written, which we didn't really say. Um, and well voice acted. Yeah, the voice acting is great. I actually weirdly thought that Ren was being played by Sean Vanneman the first time that he started talking, and it was like a weird dissociative moment. But uh, <laughs> like it's it, the presentation, like you said, is all there. It's really good. Uh but I think that you have to really commit to it to get the most out of it. If you are the kind of person who will commit, 
100% this you should just get the game. Mm-hmm. This won't even be the biggest, longest thing you sink your teeth into this year. Uh, if you are that kind of person. If you aren't, I feel like I have like five other games I would recommend before it. Yeah, I feel like it's short enough that it's worth a look. Yeah. Yeah, if you're interested, yeah, and definitely, it's not bad. Yeah, definitely if it ever goes on sale, like mm-hmm. absolutely pick it up. Yeah. But not before Kataikura Zero. Yeah. A modern, <laughs> um, a postmodern masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about sorcery. I don't know how to say it to indicate that there's an exclamation point at the end of the word. I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, part fine. one, definitely, <laughs> and maybe part two, depending on how long they are. I don't remember. Yeah, it comes in a package deal, so to speak, uh, which you should stop taking advantage of, the money-saving two-pack uh, of Sorcery Parts 1 and 2. Uh, and it just looks interesting. And it's by, is it Inkle? Are they the ones who made this one? I'm not 100%. I think that's right. It's definitely from a developer who did another game that we think is cool. Yeah, we looked this up like months ago when we put it on our short list. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's like a tabletop, like, RPG simulation kind of game. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure about all the details, but it's not like a an actual rpg it's like actually has like a like a map that looks like it's like a drawn out rpg map and you're moving like a piece along it and things happen in a more abstracted way yeah it's got like a grid and and miniatures so yeah it seems really interesting and uh, i'm looking forward to it yep until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at nocliptpodcast.com or on splattershop.pro there you can find links to our email address, our Twitter account, the Discord server where you can come talk to us about the games. Uh, you can listen to all of our old episodes, like, hey, the one on Kentucky Route Zero, what do you know? Um, also, I don't know, Donut County, we did We did a lot of indie games this year. We've done a lot of games like this. This is very in our wheelhouse, like Sorcery, or Super Brother Sword and Sorcery, sorcery. Uh, we mentioned. Mm-hmm. We we are the people to go to for narrative adventure games. Yeah, something like Detention. Yeah, Detention's a good one. Uh, a Short Hike. Yeah. Great stuff. All good things. Yeah. Uh, so check those out. Figure out which one you would recommend to somebody over this one. Or maybe none of them. Maybe you love this game. Uh, oh, fuck. That's the end. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>